7 podcast, where we explore what it means to live as single Christians in the world that often values singleness. Today we're talking about our fifth and final pillar, active. Living actively as singles means embracing our singleness and recognizing that our worth and value come from our identity in Christ, not from our relationship status. It means pursuing our passions, taking risks, and trying new things. It means living our lives to the fullest, regardless of our relationship status. So join us as we dive into what it means to be active as a single Christian. Welcome to today's episode of Route 77 Podcast. I'm Natasha, your host. I'm here with Monique. Hello. And David. Hello. And we are discussing our final pillar, active. So we've been discussing all of our pillars one by one, and this is our final one. And hopefully you've been listening and seeing how we've built this framework for our ministry and why we're doing what we're doing and how we're trying to achieve that. This is what we define active as for our pillars. Singleness is meant to be lived actively. It is a unique part of life, which is a purpose and opportunity not available at any other time. It is not a time to wait endure or persevere as if it is something to overcome instead it should be cherished and celebrated for the blessing that it is amen to that being active was the thing that i was not during my 20s i went to university expecting to get married it did not happen then i came back to the farm and just worked on the farm where my dad did need help so it wasn't like i was doing nothing but really when it came to my life and my purpose and whatever God was calling me to do, I was essentially doing nothing. I refer to it as living in a holding pattern. Like I was flying over my life, doing circles, waiting to land in marriage because you don't do anything else except you get married. That's what you do. This is like some weird part of your like limbo that you're not supposed to experience as a Christian, right? This is what God wants for you. He wants you to get married. And even as a non-Christian, because at that time when I left high school and was like, so what are you going to do with your life? I'm going to get married and have kids. Isn't that what you're supposed to do? And I wasn't a Christian. I wasn't going to church. So and for society. me, it was, yeah, it was a society. Well, that's what my mom did. She stayed home, raised us kids. That's what I wanted to do. The problem was there was nobody to marry. So I went into business administration, which isn't really where I wanted to go. But because at that time, Peters were just starting to come out into the market. And I should have really followed that instinct of mine. One thing that I remember being told or somebody, people in my old church background, at least this wasn't, this wasn't the teaching of the sp- church specifically, but it was people that went there. And their idea for women were if you did want to go to post-secondary education, you should take something that one wouldn't take a lot of your life. So you didn't want to go into veterinary medicine, say for a doctor, because then that takes a lot of money, a lot of time. And then if you're just going to be just in quotes, going to be a stay-at-home mom, then you basically wasted that money and that time. The second thing they said was you should go for something that would be helpful for you as a parent or as a mom. So some development educational studies or even hairdressing or something that you could use at the home for your children. And it makes sense in a way if you are just going to, as soon as you have a child, quit the workforce, then maybe you have to think about how you're spending your money if you are going to put like years and hundreds of thousands of dollars into your life but at the same time are you holding yourself back from doing those things because you don't think you should because what if your 
husband doesn't want you to do that. Or that's one reason I never took over the farm. I would have been happy to take over the farm, but the idea was like, what if your husband doesn't want the farm? But I had no husband. You know, it was like this weird yeah. limbo that I was in that nobody really taught you how to live it. You were, I was just an anomaly <laughs> where I was supposed to be married, but I wasn't. Nope. So we had to fix me. And somebody <laughs> told me, they wrote me a nice letter. A young guy, he was younger than I was, just as a friend. It was nothing else. Was basically telling me that if I showed more like womanly traits, like helping in the kitchen and cooking, then I might so be I... more likely to find a husband. And I, okay, I, I, I'll give him this. He did it out of a care that he did want to, like, to see me get to that point that I wanted marriage. But it was just not really helpful. But it was done out of like honest youthfulness. <laughs> but yeah, it was. A, it doesn't. Yeah, there's a very narrow idea of what you're supposed to do. When I was in high school, we had a mechanic shop and I really wanted to get into mechanics. I wanted to learn how to fix cars. I wanted to pull engines apart and all that kind of stuff. And my dad said, that's not what girls do. You don't get your nails dirty because in my dad's view, I was supposed to get married and have kids. <clears throat> and he actually told me, he says, when you find somebody to marry, make sure that he's really rich. But, you know, that's important. That's important. Suppose <laughs> if you're not, if you're not going to be able to support yourself because you haven't educated yourself. Oh, my word. <clears throat> what about you, David? So what about you with your expectation now that you're in your 20s? Do you feel pressure or an expectation to get married or what do you feel about your singleness and how it is no i don't feel pressure to do any of this as i'm not worried about what my future holds for me matthew 6 34 says do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will bring worries of its own today's mm -hmm. troubles is enough for today so the idea that you're always looking forward and trying to build this future for god God didn't inspire that. He wants us to worry about what we're worrying about today and then we placing all our burdens and anxieties on him so that we may speak his word, share the word of God. So the idea that I'm, I don't really look into the future very much, just maybe short-term future, but for long-term, I know what I have to do and I put my faith in the Lord. And I could be wrong about this, but coming from a female perspective, I feel like guys have a little easier in that aspect where they can actively pursue their career. Yes. <clears throat> and then they're told that is a positive for them because they're going to provide for a family. So they need to like actively pursue their education and their career. So they actually are given something to do. And I think also because they don't have that quote unquote biological clock that girls have, because we can only technically birth children for a certain amount of time. Once you hit a certain age bracket, it's either hard on your body, really hard to even get pregnant, or it's just, you're just, it's who wants to be, who wants to be running after children when you're like 45, having your first, they don't want to do that. But with a man, they don't have those time restrictions because they don't go through that. So the funny thing is that nowadays infertility seems to be an old empire. So there are a lot of couples who, even though they get married young, they don't have kids. Why are we putting our life on hold for something that just might not happen? You might not get married. You might not have kids. Don't put your life on hold for something that might not happen, but live your life for what you can have happen. You can have that 
great career that you've always dreamed of having. And if you don't get married, okay. If you get married and you don't have kids, it's okay. Yep. Because what if God's calling them in a direction that having children would be difficult? Yep. Like in in like a missionary work or in a dangerous profession yep. where they're not really ready to put children in at the risk of being orphaned. It is. And it's okay to come to that yep. understanding. Yep. Yep. So I think, yeah, expectations of what a woman or a man should do with their lives, that plays so much into our single life because we have all these expectations of ourselves. We have societal expectations. We have family expectations. We have church expectations. And it just puts a lot of pressure on a single person. I think it puts pressure on everybody, but on a single person that they need to perform in this sort of standardized way. Yep. Yep. What do you think, David? Hard to relate to a lot of this because I I never was married or never had kids. So I'm a little stumped. Are you worried about the expectations of your parents or your mom or your dad for kids? What about things like that? Is it something that affects how you think about being single or not? You may not have that thought for yourself, but what about your brother? Because your brother is now married. Is there expectations for him? Do you know? Yes, there's definitely expectations for him. Our, my mom, I'm not so much my dad, but our, my mom was, well, as we were growing, was always at a pushing towards, oh, where are my grandkids and stuff. So I think based on how young my brother got married, it really affected him more than it affected me because my brother's been married for a couple of years now and he married young, 1920. And there's always a pressure from his wife too, to have kids. He's just, I want to wait. I want to wait. So they keep getting more pets in place of it. Cause <laughs> so they're running two dogs and a cat. I would not doubt in the next year or so if they get another dog or another cat. But yeah, I feel like my brother is quite pressured to have children. Yeah. So putting all of that aside and getting back to the topic of being active. I guess we're talking about pressures on people that they don't know how to be active because they're expecting a certain road to, to come to, before to him. Yeah. For them, like they're expecting to you just go down this road and these are the things that were, are supposed to happen because that's the expectations that are placed on you. Yeah. Either by yourself or externally. So we're going to say we have to remove those expectations and ask ourselves, like, what is God expecting us to do in our single life, in our lives, which relates to our single life? So it, depending on the circumstance you end up being in, God will work that circumstance to it. For if you're married or in a relationship, then that whole thing will work towards being active towards Jesus and towards God. And those for who are single, again, Jesus emphasizes that those who are married may not have the same outlook to the kingdom of heaven. So there's a different perspective and a different, completely different way one can be active and what that looks like. My point was, is that your situation will derive some kind of results that God had planned for you to be active. And he won't make these things or force these things upon you. These will come in the form of opportunities. And as believers and as followers of Christ, we have to be able to, for one, see these, and we can see these opportunities through Christ, and then act on these opportunities. And that is what Jesus, I feel like, tried to emphasize, is that these opportunities will come, and he provides comfort and stuff for situations that may not be ideal, but because not all opportunities are going to be easy. He never said it was going to be easy. In fact... His whole ministry proved it wasn't easy to be active. And I think a lot of people turn away or at least don't get as active as they probably should because they they also have, again, relating back to one of our 
other podcasts and you have the fear of being removed from social groups or society as one as a whole kind of thing. Yeah. I know a lot of people have said, when I get married and have kids, then I can become active in the church because then I can I can work in Sunday school and I can work with the kids ministries and stuff like that. I just don't have time right now to do any of that kind of stuff because I'm too busy looking for my spouse. Yeah. And yeah, there's this idea that unless you follow those certain expected milestones, then you're somehow outside your life and that what you're doing, it doesn't really matter because you need to do this. You need to do X. Once you get X, then you can proceed. The idea of her saying that just bugs me a bit because... Because everyone is probably going to think that. Then everyone is waiting for something to happen in their lives then to become active. And eventually, at that point, nothing ever gets done or never gets active. That is what happens. You, can, you do, you finally get married. Um, mm-hmm. Then you're enveloped by being married. And then you have children. Then you really have no time. And then you're like, once they go to school, but then they go to school and you have other things that you have to do. And then well, once they're out of the house, but then other things, there's always something that comes yep. up that. And you ask any church that's looking for people from the congregation to help, most people will say, I'm too busy. I don't have time. So a lot of the stuff falls on the same people over and over again because nobody wants to get in and do anything. Yeah. And it surprises me because churches, I feel like church would be one of the safer places to become active. You would think that. Right. And if you think, just to interrupt a little bit, if you think about who goes to who who are the predominant people in the church is married with children. They take up a big portion of who goes to well, church with accepted. If you never feel accepted as a single person, then you're less likely to help. True. If you don't feel like you're really part of the family because you don't you haven't you're part of the family when you follow the ro- rules of the road. Yep. You go down and you get married, then you fit. Yeah. Instead, we, as a church, like we need to show these singles that they're accepted the way they are and that their role in the church body is uber important. It's not just a sideline thing. Oh, well, yeah. Let's get Joe over there because he looks lonely. That's not <laughs> how it works. But if you look at the people groups, so you've got the children. They're too young right now to do anything. It, they can be helpers. And then you've got the... Yeah, the, the children don't have beer like we do. Yeah, but I'm just going to... I'm just trying to show how the workings of a church goes. Okay. So okay. let me just get through this. So you've got the children who are too young. Some of them, as they get older, they become helpers. And then you've got the young people, but there's like school and college. But they usually get active. The young people usually become through their youth and stuff. Right. So right. they actually do stuff for a few years. They do stuff for a few years. But then you get that group of people who are, they're either married, they're looking for marriage. So then they get married. And then they have kids. When you start having kids, what have you got? You've got all the sports activities that you got to bring your kids to. You've got all the church activities that you got to bring your kids to. All the school activities you got to bring. So there's all these people who are in the church. A lot of these people are parents with kids who don't have time because their kids are in everything. We overextend ourselves to get all this activities in. When you're losing the opportunity of what you can do in the church. And then you get the people who are, who have retired and stuff like, I've done my work. I'm retired now. I don't want to do anything anymore. And then even within in there, you have the single young adults or 
older people who never married. You have the ones who are divorced or widowed. The middle group. That don't, that all, from all age category spectrums, basically, yeah. from teenagers up through forever, <laughs> however the oldest person is. And once they fall out of that married lane, or if they never go into the married lane, they never know where to fit. They don't quite feel like they fit. So then it's like that whole accepted idea. In order to be active, we need to be accepted first because you'll be less likely to be active in your church if you don't feel accepted by it. Let's look at that. Look, let's look at the grandma who's who all who's always wanted to be a grandma. She's the age of a grandmother, but she's never been a grandmother because her kids either got married and never had kids, or she never got married and had kids. Or they never had kids. Or they never had kids. Do you know how many people are desperately looking for people in nurseries who are filled to the gills with children? And they're looking for people to just sit and rock with the babies or help the young babies to learn their preschool lessons or stuff like that. And this Why is not? where your yourself, you need to be accept, the accepted part of yourself. Yeah. Understand that being single and not a grandma, not a mom, not a wife or grandfather, father or husband is okay. Yeah. Yep. And yep. that you can still embrace those sides of things. I firm in like a... Outside of the box thinking. Romans 12, 1. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. So, this is where, as a single person, you can get yourself out there and say, Where in my church can I help? Where can I be active to help further God's word? Because that's really our mandate. Jesus tells us. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Yeah, exactly. And that's where we talked about where David was referring to the part where if you're single, then you can have a different focus that Paul talks about. So Paul's talking to the single people. I want you to be free from anxieties. This is in 1 Corinthians 7, verse 32. The unmarried man is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to please the Lord. But the married man is anxious about worldly things, how to please his wife, and his interests are divided. And the unmarried or betrothed woman is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to be holy in body and spirit. But the married woman is anxious about worldly things, how to please her husband. I say this for your own benefit, not to lay any restraint upon you, but to promote good order and to secure your undivided devotion to the Lord. So he's talking in there. He's saying, hey, you're a single person. You have a job to do. There's no sitting around for you. Come on. That good show is on tonight. No. So now that we're accepted, we discussed the accepted, because I think we need to talk about active in relation to all the other pillars, because it's once we've learned about the other pillars, this is actually putting them into action, not just theory. theory. Right. So the first accepted in your church, and we're talking to church people too, like you got to show acceptance to your single people and single people you got to break out of your woe is me bubble and realize that you're part of the body if your arm is decided to be like nobody wants me and just hangs there limply there's a their body's not going to work right that's called when you wake up and you wake up and you have uh, pins and needles and you can't move your arm oh yeah that's a nasty feeling so no it's your job to do something so then we move to order second Anchored was number two. Okay. That so. person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. 
So when we're talking about being active, so what do we do about being anchored? We and I think abiding, they both go together. They go both. You need to anchor yourself in the word of God. So what is your job as a single person? And I'm just saying single person because that's what we're talking to specifically. It can apply to anybody. But this is where we start. Single person, go to the Bible. Start your personal devotions. Start praying. Start reading. Connect with other like minded Christians. Christians. Yes. Start a group and study together. Start a real singles. I would group. like to also mention that it is I think it's also very important too that when we are active and we're telling people about these about the Lord, that we try to avoid how do I word this? Try to avoid expressing what we think and what we feel is what Jesus is trying to say. And we want to fall back to scripture on this point that when we speak and that when we are active, that we fall on scripture. Because I, I feel like, and I know I've done this before, is you try to explain something to someone with your explanations or worldly analogies. While we have divine analogies that Jesus spoke of. So I think it's very important that we fall back to the scripture in that matter. Yeah. And it's, I think too, when you're anchoring and abiding, you're trying to find truth in yep. the scripture, like God's truth. You need to uh, remove those layers of expectations around you that want, specifically the ones that you place on yourself, because those are the ones that are layered on the most, I think, because you've really embraced those ones. But then those other ones, the, the church expectation, the social expectation, family expectation, world expectations, like they're all on there. Yeah, but and you need to feel those the away. Bible with those expectations. Yeah. Because you, then you're going to read into the word what you want the word to say to you and say, yeah, but did you see it says right here and it means that I have to do that. With, no, it doesn't. Not necessarily. So you have to be very careful because you start doing that and then you start contradicting yourself. Yep. It's just the this is why it's good to get into groups of people who can study with you because they say iron sharpens iron. Yeah. And like they sharpen each other. Really, between Monique and myself, doing the devotions together, it's exponentially better than by myself. <clears throat> yep. yeah, this like, leads also to accountability, too, when you're, once yeah. you start getting into... Which is our fourth pillar. Yep. 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 Connecting with other people is... That's why I think we, I think I mentioned it before about it's better if you can live with somebody yeah. than on your own because you lose something when you're on your own, like that connection with other people. Yeah. The yeah, ability to start feeling like you're an island. Yeah. Yeah. You're an island, but also you forget that other people are people. They have foibles and feelings, and, feelings and, and all these things. And so you slowly disconnect. So then if you can, get a housemate, I think it's a better thing than on alone that works with us because we can do our alone time and our together time. And it's like a really good connection. So trying to find somebody like that to, so that way you, yeah, you don't get into some sort of like singular thing like David was saying. I feel like that's more directed towards your discipline though, because you should be able to live alone, but you also need the discipline to know how long you can stay alone before it starts to eat away at you. A lot of so people have that because when I know from when I lived alone, like I lived alone for was it 14 years, something like, something like that. And you don't think that way that, you know, that there's something wrong with being alone. I'm enjoying it. Yeah. Yeah, you do. And the idea of living with somebody, when I first got my condo <clears throat> and people say, maybe you should have somebody moved in with you to share the space with you kind of thing and share costs. And I'm like, 
somebody live in the house with me? Are you kidding me? That is never going to happen. I don't care who it is. I am never living with another person. I would rather live by myself. Gone apparently had other ideas for because that did not forever. But what I found after now living and sharing a space with other people, that what I did in my alone time was really not very healthy because I let myself just live. I just lived. I had no... You just existed. I just existed. Yeah, that's it. I just existed. Even like my good friend Anita, I never hear from you. You never call. You just, you've become like a hermit, but I didn't care. And unless you have somebody to say, hey, you know what? You need to get out of that. And you might find yourself in that same place, sharing a house with other people where you all have your own space, but you share sort of like the kitchen and the living room, whatever, might give you that opportunity to be able to have that. And then you have other people that you can do life with, that you can do Bible studies with. You do want to make sure that they're Christian people that you're living with. Yeah, as best you can. Yeah, as best you can. Why, why would that be though, Monique? As a person who was married to somebody who, who stated he was a Christian but didn't go to church and didn't live the Christian life, it was very difficult to share that space. You're sitting there, you want to do a Bible study and a reading, and you've got somebody who's not a Christian, maybe an atheist, who will be mocking you and making it very difficult to have a study of the Bible, especially if they keep coming after you saying, oh, it's such a bunch, you know, or even just activities like, yeah, you may not have the same moral system. Yep. No. And Jesus speaks of this kind of idea. What was Luke 4, 24? Truly, I tell you, no prophet is accepted in his hometown. Now, I'm not saying that you have to be a prophet in order for this to apply to you. But once you've lived with people long enough that they may not be Christian, it's the same idea that they begin to know you. Jesus was able to preach, he was able to deliver the word, he was able to think, but since people know you, it's harder for them to accept, I guess. What's it? And I think Jesus speaks on this quite clearly in, in um, Luke chapter 4, verse 24. He also mentions too, that, and although this does apply to people who get married, you can also apply it to other areas to not be unequally yoked. If you've ever seen farmers, the old time farmers where they would put the animals together and they had that yoke, that's what that means. So if you've got one who's strong and one who's weak, you're going to be going around in circles. It's like a rower on the boat. Same thing. Because even talks about it, like this is Second Corinthians six fourteen. It says, do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. For what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness? Or what fellowship has light with darkness? What accord is Christ with Belial? Or what portion does a believer share with an unbeliever? What agreement has the temple of God with idols? For we are the temple of the living God. So it's not even specifically saying married. No. It's just a good application. It's just a good application. But when it comes to business partners, it's better. It's better that you are on the same page for some of these things. So yeah. be equally yoked. When it comes to something like owning a house together, I think it's, again, the same yeah. thing should apply. Because then it all comes down to the worldview that you're going to share. Yeah. And then when there's going to be differences, it's going to be pretty extreme if you don't have the same. Yeah. I mean, we have, we have another housemate who I met her through a Christian organization and she has gone to church before and stuff like that, but she's walked away a bit, but she has gone to church before and she is not lost. She knows how we believe she also yes. renting. So she knows the kind of the rules of our house and is, yep. is willing to live by them and is willing to live by them. Yeah. But when you own something together, it's harder to 
Yeah, because you have to have the same kind of understanding between you and trust. Yeah. And if you have somebody who's weak, I'd skip a little bit on this. It does not going to make, I know it does make a difference. It really does. There is this thing too, is that you can be a unit where you pray for each other as well, because we have that as well. Like we can, we pray for each other. We pray for our ministry, we pray for our friends and our families. Like James 5, 16, therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. So we talked about this in accountability, right? Yep. And so to be active, don't just think it and think it's a good idea. Actually work outside and go find an accountability person. <laughs> this is the active part. This is the active part. Don't <laughs> think it's a good idea. I agree with those people on that podcast. That sounded really good. And then go on with your day. No, you got to get up off of your butt, off your couch. I had to do that. Everybody has to do that. And find people who can help be accountable and, and be support. Where the fruit comes in too. Yeah. Once you become active, you produce good fruits, you're be able to tell. And the idea that you produce bad fruit is okay too, but there's all there's a difference between producing fruit, producing absolutely no fruit, and then producing bad fruit. And I think this uh, I think I can't remember what verse or this is in but don't be lukewarm or, or I'm about to spit you out. And yep. Not quite, but yep. so you wanna you you can't be in the middle. You either are producing bad fruit or you're producing good fruit. I'd like to say that's too like you produce bad fruit or no fruit. The farmer with the orchard's not gonna keep that tree around. No, mm-hmm. it's gonna it's gonna chop it down. Because no fruit's just as bad as bad fruit. I was going to say, during my 20s, I think I would have considered lukewarm when I was basically in my holding pattern. Now, when I was living alone, the last few years, I would say to the same thing, that I was getting pretty lukewarm. And then I, I don't wonder sometimes, too, is that if you do sit in that lukewarmness, for God's sake, you'll take your lampstand away. If God has given you specific gifts to forward his kingdom, and you don't use them, you start to lose them. He will always be knocking though. He will always come for you. Yes. I think that's really important to mention here is that even if you are lukewarm and you may not feel it because it's the analogy of the frog in the cold water and you turn the temperature up to the point where you produce, you think you're, you think you're doing good, but you don't. You, you don't realize you're being boiled to death. <laughs> exactly. Kind of thing. So it's, it's important to know that the opportunities may not vanish, but they will change. The opportunities may not focus on being active, but focus on delivering. You may become the opportunity to someone else. I think that's better. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. And I think when we refer to the parable of the talents, yeah. where each of the king's servants or the man's servants was given some of money to use while the master was away. And one doubled his money, I think, and one just was able to make money with his, the, the middle one, but the one who got less, the one who got like one talent, he just hid it in the field because he was afraid of losing it. So he's able to give it all back to the master. Nothing was missing. And the master was angry with that servant because he said, at least if you put it in a bank, it would have made interest. So what are we doing with our singleness, if with our life during our singleness? God has given us life. Yeah. And the singleness and talents. And talents doesn't have to be money. It doesn't have to be money. And it says in that verse, but with little, like even that what little you have will be taken away. God, he wants us to be active in our spiritual lives, oh. in our life here on the earth. The moment we're born to the moment we die, there's a purpose. So when we reject that purpose 
and sit there and say at a certain section of my life, whether it's singleness before marriage or after divorcing or after being widowed or whatever, if we're saying there's nothing to this part of my life, then we're just throwing those talents into the ground going at least i'll still be alive when i when the real life starts again instead of actually living it now i love pictures paintings and stuff like that and i have this one that is a boat on the water and it says for i know the plans i have for you not to harm you but to prosper and give you power that goes there's also the one in philippians that says forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead and press on toward the goal to win the prize for which god has called me heaven lord and i had a pastor who he loved philippians and he would always tell me, whenever I asked him, so how are you doing today? He says, I'm pressing on toward the mark. So he was always, even though he was a grandfather and he used to be a pastor, even though he was retired, he still remained active. He still remained doing things. And he always said, I am pressing on toward the mark. He says, my job here is not done yet. God has a calling for me and whatever that is, I'm still going to do it. That's the thing, like we we are abiding, we're enduring and being active. These are not passive words, active, the opposite of passive. It's not sitting down, waiting for life to get by so we can get to heaven. Like, I'll die some point, then I can be in heaven. No, you've got to actually, like in, we're saying with abiding and being enduring, like that's a very physical word. That's a very active word that you're struggling, you're pushing yourself to your limit. Are we doing that in our lives or are we doing that in our single life? Are we pushing our singleness to its limit? And that's why I say, if you get married and you don't feel a bittersweetness about leaving your single life behind, then you aren't doing singleness right. Because there should be a feeling of, oh, I'm going to miss. And I don't mean selfish missing. Oh, I'm going to miss having the bed all to myself or something like that. I just mean, I'm going to miss that ability to have that single-minded focus on God that I had then. Even though that singleness and marriage are both equally good ways to be, there's people who obviously, when they leave the married life behind, either by divorce or being widowed, there's that sadness. Even if it was a bad marriage, there's a sadness of the things that you wanted to have but never had. And there's those things that you're going to miss. There should be the same thing about singleness. So are you living it so, so full of energy that will be part of you that will miss that time if you do get married? That verse that I was talking about earlier is in Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. And then you will call on me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. We always think that, oh, God's going to prosper me. We always think of the money side when God says he's going to prosper you. But that doesn't necessarily mean what he means. He's going to give you the fullest life you could possibly imagine having. And he doesn't want to harm you. He wants to give you an abundant life. But you can't have that abundant life if all you do is go home and sit on your couch and stare at the walls, be moaning that you're and not exist. Married. Yeah. And just exist. The, the and just prosper aspect of that would be more of the kingdom of heaven. Yes. For the, for the life on this planet, on earth itself, will be tribulations and trials, no matter your faith. As long as you believe, just, as long as that faith is placed in Christ, then the prosper, the idea of be, having all this prosper is that of the heavens. Think about a marathon. Like, I will never run a marathon. I do not have the desire to train that much. But I could imagine what, running one because I play sports. I know what it's like to put your heart and soul into something. 
physical. So imagine that you're in a marathon. So you have trained and trained and you sprained your ankle, you've torn a ligament, you got back up, you kept going. Somebody tripped you by accident or on purpose, who knows? Just something's happened. You've gone through, you've got scrapes and bruises and cuts and you're hobbling, but you make it past that finish line. All the stuff that you endured, it meant so much more by finishing it than if you just sat down and gave up. Can you imagine if all of that happened to you and you're running the marathon and you're like, a foot away from the finish line, let me quit. I'm just going to sit here. Yep. Yep. Then remember or that even story. Even way through it, like the single life, are we going to just sit and hope our husband walks by or our wife walks by and then uh, we and can that keep they're going? And they're going to help us over this finish line. Yeah. Well, just the whole idea of, would it make any sense at all in, in a marathon or any other thing? Soccer game, that's what my sport was. Soccer game. He's just okay. sitting down in the middle of the game where the game's going on all around you I mean, like, I just need five. I'm just going to stay here for 10 minutes. I just not feeling it right now. <laughs> it's not going to fly. You're on the basketball court. It's one thing if you're you've got the ball. You're dribbling down the hand. You know what? I'm just going to sit and wait. Yeah, I'm not really in the right part of my life to be doing this at the moment. <laughs> this, that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> That's so ridiculous. Yeah, it doesn't make sense. So if you actually think about your spiritual life in a physical way, like that it doesn't make sense so why does it make sense that as soon as your relationship status has changed to single or has been single or changed back to single then all of a sudden it's gotta time to up. sit down you gotta step out you gotta take a back seat to life and let life walk by you until some magical other time of your life comes back but it doesn't make sense yeah and i don't think that a lot of single people are probably doing that at least sure. not purposely not purposefully no but that's why I think we talk about expectations, like I'm so geared towards expectation. We're expectation driven. If we do X, Y, Z, then, you know, this should happen and this should happen. Yep. After my husband passed away and then the year after I lost my job and then I got a job that paid me at least $10 less an hour than what I was making before. For, the, for about 10, not even, not quite 10 years, I just existed. And I guess that's when God brought something else into my life that said aren't you tired of just existing i need you to get out and i need you to become more active oh coat then i started taekwondo and my life completely turned around from that because you did you make because all of a sudden you decide active. or god helps you decide sometimes i think god just chucks you out the door <laughs> i get tired of your failure to launch movie <laughs> yeah. that the guy god's just Okay, then we're done. I gave you time. We're just chucking you. It's much better to go out on your own two feet than be chucked out. I'm just playing that out there now. I've been chucked out a few times because I've been sitting back on what I found was comfortable and easy. And God was like, I gave you chance after chance. Sorry. And how many times have I said, I wish I'd have started this 10 years ago, even 10 years ago. Yeah. I would have been so much further ahead in, in this than I am now. And that is my regret that I just sat and did nothing. It's like, God says, I know what is going to make you happy and I'm going to force you out there. But I know I said, going, Lord, why did I have to wait for you to force me out when I could have done it so much earlier? Yes. But this, so the active is just not just theoretically agreeing with what we're saying here or what God says. You got to actually go out and do it. You go out and do it. Step outside your comfort zones. Comfort zone is not a good uh, excuse. No. And stepping out of it can be... Um, it can be tough. Yep. I have this saying, Lee Strobel, who's an 
excellent author. He was a writer for the Chicago Tribune, atheist. His wife became a Christian, and he set out to prove that she had started into a cult. And he decided that he was going to disprove her faith and ended up becoming a Christian. <laughs> and he has written many really good books. Most of them are called like The Case for Christ, The Case for Grace, etc. But I get these little mailings from him once a week, this email things. And this one, I'm just going to read the first part of it because it's out. There's more, but just this first part because I thought it was profound. And it's the rewards of spiritual risk taking. He says, when we take a risk, we're stretching beyond what we think are our limits in order to reach for a goal. Inevitably, that involves overcoming some sort of fear, fear of the unknown, of physical harm, of failure, of humiliation, even of success. And it involves adventure. I could definitely say that my life has been more exciting since I've been active. Me too. Me too. Yep. How about you, David? Oh, yes. It's got me to do lots more research and probably, I don't know how to word it. It's pushed me to try to further know who Jesus is and who God is. Even though I have this great, this wonderful idea of who he is and what he's done, I'm always learning new things and revelations. And I remember him. on Focus on the Family one time, there was a guy on, they always talk about marriage a lot of times. And there was one saying, as a married couple, we should try to go to one marriage event a year. And they said also to go through one book together a year, at least one couple's book. I think that can really apply to singles in a sense. Commit to at least going to one event in a year. Like we went to the apologetics conference. Go to more if you want to. But commit to one. Start with one event that will enrich you spiritually. And then, yeah, you could read books about Christian things or maybe just commit to volunteering one Sunday a month to church, something church related. Like, just start small. Find an event to go to. And many church events, if you can't afford to go to them, have a way, like, they, if they'll let you come anyway. Or they'll have a way to pay for it if you can't go. A lot of them are paid when they're worth it because it's like you don't pay a lot. Like, we paid $40 to go to the apologetics conference and the amount of information you get is insane and wonderful. It's like high, high level, like really good. So go to an event that will enrich your life spiritually and try to do one Sunday a month a volunteer at the church and it could just be as simple as shaking hands on the way in handing out bulletins something that doesn't even have to like spread to you super far no nope. and if you're not really too sure where you can volunteer there are people in the church you can ask some of the people in the administration office or the pastor i'd like to help in some way what can i help with where is there a need i know that our door host thing is really short on people so they're always looking for somebody who will greet people as they come in the doors yeah so that'll be our challenge to those who are listening and trying to figure out how to be active find that one event and offer that one time a month for help for a church or something if you're like me where i work a lot of sundays then you can find something with which to volunteer maybe just once a month for an hour if that just do small things but actually do them. Don't just sit back and think it's a good idea because that's not being active. You can't be passively active. That's not how it works. Any final thoughts, David? We have to ask the question, what's the importance of the journey from when we are born into that of heaven and then why that journey is necessary and what would that look like, how that will look like as being active throughout the journey? Because the idea is that if you could just jump to the finish line, then you don't 
know anything or have an idea of what it means to know God or Jesus, what it means to have faith, what it means to actually be active. I'm trying to build a point to emphasize why the journey is very important. Because without the journey, you don't know Jesus. So how can you be saved if you don't know anything about him? So the journey is like a preparation and it's supposed to build your faith in Jesus so that you know what he has done and why he did it and the meaning of why he did it. And that whole process is what we call being active. I'm trying to still trying to wrap my head around that too. It's very raw. It's very raw. And I want to try to figure out a way to put it into something that you guys out there can actually understand. Yep. No, it sounds good to me. What do you think? Good. Okay. I think that's a good way to start. Yeah, I think so too. I have nothing more to say. I think I've said a lot. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. It has been wonderful talking about all the pillars and expectations expectations and whatnot. So next week, we would like to talk about prosperity gospel, whether it applies to being single. Tune in next week for more on that. Yes, it'll be fun. So we'll see you all next week. Have a good day. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Route 77 podcast. We hope this episode has encouraged you to live actively and pursue your passions as a single Christian. We value your feedback and look forward to hearing from you. Please email us at root77ministries at gmail.com. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode and be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram for updates and additional resources. Stay tuned for our next episode where we'll be exploring the topic of the prosperity gospel and how it relates to singleness. Thanks again for listening and we'll see you next time on the Root 27 Podcast.